0: Welcome to the Trevor Turnbull Show, where you'll hear vulnerable, honest stories that will inspire you to embrace your mess and live your best life. Welcome to the show, everyone. My guests today, and I say guests uh, because I have two of them on this show, are Danielle Grant and Steve Gordon. So Danielle Grant, you might be familiar with. I've had her on the podcast a couple of times already. I've spoken about her lots in different content that I've created. The two of us have collaborated very closely over the last couple of years, and she's become, you know, in addition to a really good friend, she's become a mentor, a guide, a teacher for me as it relates to my own spiritual awakening and just me trying to intellectualize what it means to evolve as a human being. And then Steve Gordon, of course. So Steve and I got connected, I want to say like two years ago or so, uh, from a mutual contact. And we just became really good friends. I, in fact, I had him in a, another mastermind that I had as well. Steve is somebody that, you know, as a business person, has been very influential in supporting other people in sharing their voice, both through podcasting as well as through authoring books. So he has a business that supports people on being able to do that. But I think the thing that I really appreciate appreciate about Steve is just his willingness to have the difficult conversations and to talk through them in a way where there's no ego attached. It's really just about the deep conversation and challenging beliefs and knowing that we all have our own biases and that we have things that you know we're really grounded in. I know Steve on this interview uh, talked about uh, faith and he talked about religion a little bit, right? And I don't talk a lot about about those kind of things, but it was really interesting to have that conversation with him and see where he was grounded in his own beliefs. And then me being able to express some of my beliefs and Danielle, you know, expressing her beliefs as well, but then also challenging both of us on those. And the reason why we decided to do this podcast was we had a great conversation the week before and we just said to each other at the end of it, we should really record these and, and just have this be a high vibration conversation, one where we don't even know exactly what direction we're going to take it in, but we're going to tackle the challenging conversations. We're going to talk about what it means to actually have fulfillment in all aspects of your life, what it means to you know, face all the disruption and the divisiveness that we're seeing in the world. And how we can do it from a place of encouragement and compassion and empathy and love. And it's just a really important discussion that I wanted to bring to people with, you know, different perspectives, different parts of the world. Steve's down in Florida, where obviously, you know, the mandates and the lockdowns, the way that he's operated his business and ran his life and everything in between is very different than what Danielle and I have both experienced being up here in Western Canada. And yeah, that's the best way for me to introduce this one is really just like two really amazing human beings that I really value having a part of my life. And quite frankly, they are the cornerstone of the kind of conversations that I will be having going forward. I was going to say, want to be having. It's like, no, I will be having. It's people like this, it's conversations like this that matter. And I think all of us came from a humble approach of, you know, we don't know everything, we're not trying to change the minds of people to think a certain way. We're just having open, honest, vulnerable conversations. And isn't that what this is all about? Is really just that freedom of expression and the ability to be able to challenge your thoughts to be able to become the highest version of yourself. So let's go ahead and give it a listen. All right. Welcome, welcome, Danielle and Steve Gordon. How are both of you doing today? I'm fantastic. i good, thank you. <laughs> I love the hesitation at the start. So this is the first three-person podcast that I've done. And that was literally one of the first things that we started with was like, you know, let's just all speak up whenever we have something to say and know that we're <laughs> going to talk over each other. It's just how it goes. But... Yeah, I'm looking forward to having this chat with both of you. We just kind of bantered a little bit before we uh, turned the record button on. And I gave you a little context of where I was thinking the conversation might go. And both of you said, yeah, let's just see where the wind takes us. So that's always makes for amazing conversations. And I'm looking forward to doing this with both of you. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So to give everybody a little bit of context... Um, the three of us met last week, I believe it was, and it was a conversation that was worthy of recording and actually putting onto a podcast, but we figured that we'd officially sit down and have a chat and really to kind of frame it. I think, I know for me, there's conversations that I have with people where I can't even explain the energy that's in that call and the depth of the conversation that ensues, but... I'm constantly curious at like reverse engineering, like what makes up that and then ultimately feeling this this uh, feeling of podcasting and what it's meant for me in being able to engage in those kind of conversations. And most recently, I actually and I'll maybe start with this and then I'll ask one of you to respond because then we can start that way. But um, I was listening to Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson's podcast recently. And as of the time of this recording, we all will know what's going on in the world of the conversation with regards to Joe Rogan and uh, Neil Young and, you know, Brene Brown and all of these things that are happening in the world right now. But they talked about something in the middle of that podcast where it talked about this flow of a conversation that has no preconceived construction to it, aside from just total presence right when you're listening to the other person and you're you're feeling the like ooh, I can go in this direction and talk about that and then always knowing that like when you're very conscious about it you can always root it back to that I forget the term that they use but they talk about it in uh, the comedy world of like it's not the the grounding piece or the, the callback they call it a callback right so it's this idea that when you're in this conversation you can go down these long paths and then always bring it back. And it brings people through a journey of conversation. And I know for me, like if I was to describe what this podcast means to me and ultimately what every conversation in my life means to me that I want to be having, it's literally that. And maybe Steve, why don't you start off? Because I know, you know, we got connected through mutual contacts and you've had a podcast for a long time and you've served people in creating podcasts and ultimately just sharing their message. And you've seen all kinds of scenarios with regards to like what works, what doesn't, and what feels authentic. What comes up for you when I start us off with that as the lead-in?
1: I think there's some magic in conversation. I mean, it's, it's baked into us as human beings pretty deeply, right? This, this is how we made allies. It's, it's how we entertained ourselves. It's kind of core... how we interact with one another and we're very social creatures and so i think there's this natural kind of attraction to it and when you contrast that so i've done i don't know between podcast interviews that i've conducted where i was the host and ones where i've been the guest i'm gonna say maybe 400 total uh, so far um and they kind of break down into some different camps. So you get some people who will come on and be there solely to promote a message or a point of view. And, um, and they're not really interested in the conversation. And, you know, I've kind of gotten to the point with our podcast, like I don't, when somebody pitches that they want to be on the show that's usually a dead giveaway for the fact that that's what it's going to be <laughs> and it's not going to be this deeper conversation like where we could actually explore a topic to me that's so much more interesting not only as the host but as the listener you know it's just so much more fascinating to just see where it goes and and that's how we learn new things i think um because today each of you are going to say something that i'm not expecting and that's going to create a thought for me that I'll be able to build on. It's almost like improv in comedy. You mentioned comedy before. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of the yes and in improv.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Danielle? Anything come to mind with that opening intro?
2: I just think it's it's such an interesting conversation because what Steve's talking about when people just come to pitch, those people are rooted in such a human ego aspect of themselves, whereas you're talking about with Jordan and uh, Peterson and Joe Rogan, where it's just an open conversation with no expectation, and that's what Steve's talking about with a deeper meaning, that's people living in more of their conscious self and allowing that place of not needing to know everything, you know, people come on to pitch something, they're, they're not really in their truth, or they're not really who they are, they're representing a product, That's kind of what I think of that when I hear that conversation, especially from someone like Steve who interviews 400 people, you see such different sides of who people truly show up as.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And on that uh, context, let me dive us down another path that's kind of related to that, which is this whole idea of truth. So another major um, takeaway that I took from that podcast that I listened to was, Jordan Peterson talked about this idea of speaking your truth. And I know Danielle, you and I have spoken lots about this in the last like six months, just on our individual one-on-one calls that we do every single week, a couple times a week. And he spoke about, you know, you should speak your truth, but will it get you what you want? He goes, I don't know. Probably not. How the hell do you know what you want? That's the whole point is if you don't speak your truth and you get something, it might not have been the thing that you actually wanted anyways in the first place. So ultimately, that leap into being authentically yourself is the human experience that we're all here to ultimately experience. And therefore, anything less than that is a disservice. And I know, kind of wrapping it in that same container of where we've started from, which we'll venture away from, I'm sure at some point. But Danielle, you and I talked about This entrepreneurial disease that we coined it, right, in our interview that we did where we were just saying that, you know, there's this posturing that happens when it comes to creating a business that you're aligned with, but then ultimately seems to get drawn by like, and how is it going to make money? And then it always is the money conversation that a lot of times dictates the direction that you end up going And that's where the misalignment sometimes comes in too, right? So there's a lot to unpack there, but I guess what I'm um, kind of alluding to is this idea of like speaking your truth and where do people stumble on this? And I could speak from my own perspective, but maybe Steve, you want to jump in on that as far as like, where are you at with that? Like, how do you feel about the idea of like speaking your authentic truth, including the parts about how it gets 60 degrees in Florida and everybody freaks out? (laughs) (laughs) A little thing, it's that Steve way today. To we,
1: yeah, for those that don't know, I'm in Tallahassee, Florida, which is the northern end of Florida, where it actually does kind of get cold. But, uh, yeah, we freak out when it gets below 60. That's <laughs> that's cold. Yes, it's uh, we turn the fireplace on, uh, we don't build a fire, we turn the fireplace on. That's a different thing. Uh, yeah, it's it's that that's our truth. Um, I, you know. The, this whole idea of your truth, I mean, I think, yes, there, there is a reality to your life, to your perception of it, to your business. Um, I think so much of the challenges that everybody seems to be running into here lately is the conflict between your personally held truth and reality, the universal truth. And there's this notion that, well, my my truth is more important, but unfortunately, reality has very different ideas. And so, I, I think there—and I, I see a lot of people bucking up against this and really being frustrated by it. And while, yes, there is this truth of who you are and, um, you know, and how you perceive yourself, there is also— objective reality in the world and you've got to reconcile the two and i think that's one of the things that that peterson talks about a lot is that um you know I i love the way he phrases phrases it you know if that that's your your held belief how's that working out for you it might be working out really great it might be working out not so great you know but you know we're not we're not trees we're not planted we have the ability to get up and move and change um, and, and I think to fail to do so is, is really dangerous, whether you're talking about an entrepreneur or an individual, uh, in, in the entrepreneurial world, not paying attention to the external reality and, and what it's telling you can, can be really, really difficult. Um, having been through a situation where the, you know, I got some pretty harsh feedback from the marketplace, you know? I had my own ideas about what was real in that business, but that didn't equate to what anybody was willing to pay for at that moment in time, you know, and there wasn't anything I could do to change that. So um, I don't know if that's where you wanted to go, but that that's what came to mind for me.
0: Yeah, wherever we go is where we go. And I know that there's, so part of the reason why it's amazing to have you, Danielle, here is that... In my work with Danielle in the last like six months, I didn't even realize we were actually doing it, just to be clear up front. <laughs> but I was coming to conversations with Danielle and expressing my beliefs and my truth and my current, my current reality. And then she would question that and say, is that your highest self actually speaking from that perspective? Or is it something that you believe to be true that's no longer serving you that you're just saying to yourself for whatever fear fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of judgment, fear of success. Imagine that one too. That's one that's uh, landed a lot for me lately of like, what if I actually speak out loud and it resonates and people connect to it? And now I feel a responsibility to show up in that. And then that opens another big spectrum here too, of like integrity and being the greatest version of myself. So like when I say it, I mean it, but then when I say it and then somebody responds to it, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm tied to this now. Like, I got to be that all the time. Does that make sense? Am I saying something that you can pick up on with that, Danielle?
1: (laughs) Totally. And Danielle's really good at asking those difficult questions,
0: too. Yeah. It's the highest self-conversation, really, right?
2: Yeah, I think, too, like something that Steve you know, brought up is the conflict between the the internal and the external reality, which is the internal is the higher self aspect and the external is the society aspect. and And questioning the society aspect, because those are the beliefs that our human self does align to. And in this conversation specifically of entrepreneurs and seeking their truth and speaking their truth, very little of the work that I've seen that entrepreneurs invest in actually allow them to explore that understanding of like, look, you have two beliefs going on. One of them is to serve your higher purpose, which is most likely not rooted in money. It's rooted in impact and collectiveness and ascension. Or the other one is the, the physical reality, which is rooted in in greed and I need it now. And it's about me and it's very singular and separated and to have that awareness, especially as an entrepreneur or anyone for that matter, is when you start to unlock the higher aspects of yourself. And I think that's when you start to be able to build that relationship like Trevor's talking about. Is this from my higher self or is this my ego self, my physical self, my physical reality? And asking those questions allows someone to transmute the space that they're in, of one that they don't want, or one that's misaligned with the place that they're going. But without those questions, which is all that is required, it's difficult. And in the conversation, finishing with what entrepreneurs are the disease. The disease is that they're so focused on learning things that facilitate and ascend their physical reality and do very little to actually understand the internal reality that actually matters more. So that's kind of what my thoughts on that is anyways, but I'd I'd actually like to hear maybe what came up for Steve in that.
1: I I think you have to acknowledge both, you know, you use the word greed and I think greed has um, a really negative connotation. Sometime, and I don't attach that to to making money. I look at making money as a a natural outgrowth of creating value in the world. So, if you've done something that people generally see valuable, you. Probably will be able to measure that in your bank account. Uh, is that always the case? No, of course not. We're human beings, and 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 we're, you know, we're we're sinful, and we're going. You know, there are going to be those motivations to to sort of take the shortcut and cheat and and fuel the the physical side as you described it. Um, but that doesn't make the the pursuit of that necessarily wrong i think it's just a matter of of really reconciling the two and putting them in their proper place i think they both have a role um you know if you don't take care of the physical side you can't improve the spiritual side because you die you know we are we are embodied beings and so if you really want to get deep into it you you need you've got to take care of all of that right you got to have a roof over your head especially where you guys are in canada um or you'll freeze to death. and so, it, the, the two have a place. So, I think it really comes down to what's the driving factor and how do you create balance between the two? How do you navigate these two kind of spheres so that you're living this higher purpose? And at the same time, you're taking care of not only your physical needs, but, you know, in the case of most of us who are running a business, the physical needs of the people that we employ and of the the people that we serve as customers or clients. I mean, we have impact in all of those areas, um, and where I think probably most people don't go is they don't just they they really just don't give it a lot of deep thought.
0: I'll jump in on that really quickly, and then I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Danielle. But there's so many dots. Like I constantly reference this idea that. When I look above my computer, sometimes I see these things that all just like have lines attached to them. (laughs) And I see about a dozen of them right now. But this whole idea of like living in integrity and being your highest self and all that kind of stuff. Also in that interview, one of the things that Jordan Peterson talked about was um, focus on the day. And he said it very intensely in the inner, in the context of what he was talking about around speaking your truth and all that kind of stuff. It's like, there's all these things and they're like, I forget the word he used, but it's like, they're out here and you can't grab them. You don't know exactly, like, there's no linear path to this, like, ultimate freedom that we talk about. But then he grounded it back to, like, focus on the day. Focus on what you can do today, which to me, what I heard in that was self-awareness, um self-realization, self, uh, just integrity, you know, and related to what we're experiencing and feeling in the world here right now, it was really grounding for me because from the outside, I'm looking at this, you know, just from my own perspective as a father, as a man, as a, uh, as a business person, all of these different labels that I have on myself and I'm seeing what's happening in the world and all this disruption. And there's this there's this uh, opportunity for me to just be like, oh, where do I start? And how do I create impact in all of this, right? And naturally, there's things that I can do in my physical form to like, like this. We can hop on a podcast and we can talk about it. But it always comes back to me. It always comes back to how I choose to address the day and the moments even and being present in that moment, whether it's, with my kids or just appreciating the fact that, you know, Steve's in Florida and Danielle's well across the lake. She's not too far away, but still we're in this virtual environments here right now where we can literally have conversations around this. And that's the part that I think has hit me the most in the last couple of weeks of like my greater purpose. It's to just not hold in the conversations or with, you know, be a blocker to them knowing that like, When we hop on calls where we're not recording this, we have those conversations that matter in the world that people need to hear in order to step into being the greatest versions of themselves. And it's a disservice to not share that with the world. And then, so I ground myself in that. It's like every single action that I take, every conversation that I have, everything that I can put out into the world, regardless whether it's censored or not, it matters. And now you know, for the last six weeks, just to give one more piece of context, and I'll let you respond, Danielle, because you know this better than anybody. But for the last six weeks, I actually sat in the, I want to call it the, the nothingness <laughs> of like not reacting to the impulses of just wanting to move fast and take action and like, oh, I should go do this and defaulting to old patterns that I knew weren't serving me. And it was massively uncomfortable. It was massively uncomfortable. And then the flip side of that is like speaking my truth and having conversations that I believe matter also massively uncomfortable. So again, I had to revisit that and go, oh, wait a second. It's supposed to be like this. The pain and the suffering is actually a part of the human experience. That is the most important thing that we should be facing. And I should learn to love the shit out of it. Every step of it. That's what comes up for me when I hear all of that. Any thoughts? On that, Danielle. I'm sure a lot, right? It's the same thing. It's like you can recall all these conversations we've had, and even what you posted today on on LinkedIn talking about that energy of like moving versus just staying grounded.
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting that both of you guys are kind of talking about us the same thing, actually. Steve was saying, I, one of the things we need to do is become more curious of deeper questions. And Trevor, you're talking about being in a state of mindfulness, a state of the present state, a state of awareness. And you get to that state of awareness by asking the deeper questions of, why am I in this place? Why do I feel uncomfortable? Why didn't that thing work? Why do I feel anxiety? Um, Because in the moment of those questions, in the moment of that mindfulness and the seeking the deeper question, you're engaging the vibrational field in which those discomforts or those unwanted realities Live within, and so just by acknowledging i 'm in an uncomfortable state, uh, but I need to be in it, I need to just acknowledge it and see it for what it is allows you to actually shift beyond that uncomfortable allows you to shift beyond that place that we want to stay in of being uncomfortable, but that only comes from asking the deeper questions of what this is, and and that 's the thing i don 't think that enough of us seek present state because when you're in the present state you're just in alignment with your higher self you're in alignment with your consciousness with the truth you're in alignment with seeking deeper questions um, and that's like the most powerful place we can get to i just want and i'll just finish on this one thing i think one of the greatest reasons why we're missing this whole concept in any world not just as entrepreneurs is that not enough of us have explored what buddha was trying to educate us on in terms of attachment detachment and separation from the divine and alignment with the divine and i believe if more people became curious to the teachings of that which is not a religion rather an understanding of thought and energy a lot of that clarity or a lot of that that seeking would be answered that's what i got
0: <laughs> yeah i'll jump no I'll, I'll just say one thing and then maybe i'll we'll uh, get your thoughts on that steve but i just caught in my own intellectual brain here, how I phrased what you referred to as mindfulness, I called it nothingness. And I and I actually just in this moment realized how limiting that is and how it's not serving me, right? It's not nothingness. It's actually exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And I think that's a, just a good reminder for anybody that would be watching this in the future is like when you surround yourself with people that go, Yeah, that's normal what you're feeling right there. And nobody's judging you for it. Nobody's trying to fix you for it. Nothing like that. But let me see you, hear you, and give you a different perspective so you can just put a different lens on something. And I know, you know, we we kind of talked about this at the start. And in our last conversation, we did too the idea of like the people that we surround ourselves with. And, you know, in the business entrepreneurial context, it's a mastermind, right? And we, Jump into masterminds or these uh, programs and stuff to be able to surround ourselves with people that can give us the roadmap to ultimate success. And I know personally, and maybe Steve, you want to pick up on this, and I might be taking you off on a different path here if you had something to respond to with what we were just talking about. But I know for me, whenever, like just in the last six months, when I was looking around and thinking, Okay, where's my next tribe? Where's my next community? Where's my next source of information and people that I want to be around? I defaulted back to just searching for that, right? Because I thought it already existed because I didn't believe that ultimately I was the person that could create that myself. And that shifted, but it's come with a lot of, you know, bumps and pains along the way, mostly an in internal conversation. And I know you've invested not just money, but Time into a lot of things and that was one of the things that danielle and i are most interested in talking to you about really was like what your evolution on that has been and where you are now like in this moment with that concept of like your tribe and your community and where you consume information to shape your beliefs well it depends on
1: what what beliefs we're talking about you know? Um, Let's go there. <laughs> if we're, I mean, if we're, if we're talking about the the, the deepest beliefs of existence, um, to me, that's relatively easy. Um, you know, I start with the Bible. Um, I happen to believe it's, it's the inspired Word of God, believe that or not. I'm not here to convince you of that one way or another, but certainly it's hard to argue that it's not a valuable documentation of collected wisdom of the ages, right? Because we we spent a lot of time writing that and copying that book for a very, very long, thousands and thousands of years. Um, so I tend to turn there um, and am fortunate to, over the last couple of years, have read through more or less end-to-end the entire thing about three times now. Um, and there's a there's a through line there that I think reveals a lot about the human experience. And at the end of the day, I think it's a very hopeful uh, story and through line. But so that's where I go for those deeper questions. Um, from a business perspective, I mean, obviously a lot of that wisdom carries over. You see a lot of the similar ideas show up in, in other areas of philosophy, particularly the Greeks and the Stoics. But you know, on a more practical level, where do I look to figure out how am I going to invest my, you know, advertising and business development dollars? That's a whole different sort of question, right? So that, And I think that goes to some of what you're asking about Mastermind. There are these really deep questions that we could be exploring, right? But there's also some really practical level questions. And who's my next tribe that I'm going to be around that's maybe going to help me get to that next level from an entrepreneurial perspective? Um I've been in a lot of different masterminds and a lot of times you got people who are just pretending and it took me a little while to realize that. Um, I'm much better at spotting that now than I used to be. And I just find that I want to be around people who are building real businesses that have longevity where they have, You know, a mission beyond—you know, as Danielle put it earlier—a mission beyond just greed, because there are entrepreneurs that it's all about the money for them. You know, but for me, I I like to, and I am gravit—I'm kind of attracted to being around other people who are building something that's bigger than themselves. And um, I'm, I'm I'm actually surprised that that's as hard to find as it is. Um, because i don't think most entrepreneurs are actually on that path i think they're either on the path of trying to to make a decent living and there's nothing wrong with that um, or their vision isn't big enough so they're not on a path you know they're they're, they're running a business they're not building something that's going to exist beyond them and so that's what i look for so to kind of bring this around full circle you know that if that's the question that you asked, that's kind of how I've come to filter it. And I didn't always, you know, for a long time, I just looked at, oh, there's the big name and, you know, everybody in the room says they're making seven figures a year and that's the room I want to be in. And um, I found more often than not that those rooms were full of BS and I needed hip waiters.
0: I think the reason I asked or brought us down that path, and I appreciate everything that you just said there, Steve, was, was all of your answer, and especially the last part too, because I can only ever speak of my own personal experience, but I know when I actually joined, um, it was a somewhat of a mastermind, I guess, uh, and finally invested in myself. Not just my money, but also like all in on like, I'm going in as where I'm just going to be inquisitive and curious and not feel filled, filled with ego and just open to feedback, right? I sat in a room as well with a group of eight people, and I watched the first five of them introduce themselves at the very start of that mastermind, and that's what I heard too was eight-figure business trying to figure out how to scale my team, uh, seven-figure business looking to try and figure out how to make it eight, Da-da-da-da-da. money, 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 money. It was all a money conversation. And I remember when it came to me, I actually remembered hearing my wife's voice in my head saying... Just be your authentic self. Go tell the truth. Like you're not going to get what you want out of this unless you do that. And my heart was racing like crazy because I was like, "The truth? Do I tell the fucking truth right now? you want to <laughs> know the truth? Like, here's the truth. I had built up a business that was like doing about six hundred fifty, seven hundred thousand dollars a year. It's barely profitable. I had two hundred thousand dollars in debt. My relationship with my wife was terrible. The people that I had working with me weren't really you know, as inspired as I was, right? Because I thought they should have the same level of like, get up and go as I did. And I was just tired and depressed and and angry and everything in between. And that's what I said out loud. And it opened up the space for everybody else to tell the real story which was the eight figure guy that was going through a divorce, the seven figure guy who was $400,000 in debt and on and on and on and on. And then the next two days were a completely different experience than what they could have been. It would have been way more tactical and way more. Here's the six pillars of your business and the finances and the operations and this and that. And instead it went into that deeper conversation because one of the things, and maybe you want to pick up on this, Danielle, but... One of the things that I question, questioned and still question too is, why can't it be all of that? Why does it have to be separate? Why do we have to have tribes that teach us how to build businesses that are profitable and ones that teach us to ask bigger questions about the why behind our existence? Why can't they be one and the same? Because I believe that they, they are. It's just I think they our, can be one and the same. Yeah, uh, And that was where I was struggling often... to find, right? I couldn't
1: find that. Well, I think a lot of the reason they aren't is um, that it requires that you set aside ego. And that that in, in doing that, I think it requires that you have a lot of confidence. So um, at the end of the day, I think this whole thing, this whole entrepreneurial thing, and maybe life in general, really boils down to confidence, your own personal confidence. Confidence, and I think that that only comes from within, and it comes, I think, as a byproduct of knowing that you're on the the right path. Um, and I'll I'll let Danielle build on top of that. But I, to me, that's what it comes down to. That's the word that I keep coming back to again and again.
2: Yeah, I love that, Steve. I would just even expand that it's the confidence, but it's really the courage of of. Living your truth. It's the courage of trusting that that's your truth and that's the way that you're going. But you're right. The biggest thing people need to move beyond is the ego aspect. Why don't we see this blending together in these masterminds? Well, a lot of the people that are leading these masterminds are leading these aren't even aware of their own consciousness, aren't even really settled into their own truth. So, how can they bring in that energy and that experience for people in the mastermind if they themselves are not in that position? And I think that's what we're seeing in a lot of programs, um, Steve totally nailed it on the head of like, I don't want to be around people that are just being fluffy and it's about the money. They really want impact and everlasting businesses and really making a difference in the world. And that's where I found myself. I'm like the baby entrepreneur in this collective here. Um, But after three and a half years, I, I really found myself not wanting to invest any more in anyone because, it was all about money and just profit and marketing. And there wasn't any substance into why you want that marketing, why you want that money. What is the the deeper meaning there? And, I dissolved my whole company because I was like, this isn't the impact I'm here to create. This isn't my greater vision. This is everyone else's vision telling me how to run a business and how to make the quickest dollar. And that's not aligned for me. And it was difficult for me to walk away from that. But I was following my truth of like, I want to create a business of greater impact. I want to settle in and help people realize this more. And as an entrepreneur, I felt like I failed because I was not doing what everyone in the entrepreneur space was telling me to do. But just this conversation right now is like giving me so much more life than spending you know, X amount of dollars every month on a mastermind.
1: Well, let's, let's go back to this idea that you've felt like, felt like you failed. Um, The only way to fail in this game is to quit the game. You know, I think Simon Sinek really put some good words around it when he, in his book, the infinite game, right? It really is that the only way you lose is to get out. As long as you're in the game and you have another turn to play you're not losing, you know, and there is no ultimate winner because the game will exist beyond all of us. So setting that aside, then, that there is no winning and there is no losing, that it's not finite. It's not like, you know, we have the NFL playoffs this weekend and, and those games do end and there is a winner and a loser at the end of it. Right. But in business, it's not that way. I mean, I and I've uh, and I've lost the game. You know, I lost the game in one business and had to get back in the game in a new business. But you always have that opportunity to come back. So then it isn't about the winning or the losing. It's about how am I going to measure how I make the progress that I want to make? And I don't think there's one answer. You know, so we each have maybe a different perspective on what it is that we want to accomplish and no matter how noble that might seem to us, that doesn't mean it's the answer for everybody. And that's okay. You know, so it doesn't bother me that there are these other shallow masterminds out there. If that's what those people want to attend and it makes them feel good, I have no issue with that whatsoever. I just have become clear that for me, that's not, that's not who I want to be around. Okay. But you know, it's a, it's a big wide world. there's seven and a half billion people the The thought that that uh somehow I'm arrogant enough to have an inkling about what would be good for anyone beyond me and and you know maybe my family to me it's it's a place we shouldn't go. It's a place where we're a lot of us are going lately, but it's a place that we shouldn't go um because we don't know what that person's situation is. We don't know. How, how reality is impacting them and how they're responding to it. Um, and honestly, most of us have all we can handle right in our own little world, much less, you know, go, go around and try and dictate what what you should do here or what you should do there. So, I don't know. I'll put my soapbox away.
0: I, I want to pick up on something you said there because it came to mind as soon as you said it out loud, this idea of, like, sport having this finite like you win or you lose and i want to reframe it though because and let's use tom brady as the example i've actually his some of his videos have been coming into my space lately naturally because of the algorithms but for other reasons as well and if we just grounded in this so tom brady has played 22 seasons in the nfl and he's won seven championships that's one out of every three years he wins a championship of the time, roughly, right? And that's an exceptional, like world class goat kind of analogy, right? It's like most people don't even come close to that. But the thing that I've seen from what I've consumed about who he is as a person, because they document the shit out of that guy's life, everything, every off season, every training, you name it, right? And the thing that I see in that is the reframe of losing. There's no losing, there's a lesson to be learned in everything. And the struggle, actually is what creates the next evolution. It creates the next, whatever you want to call it, the next ascension. And I think we lose that. Like, we could see it very clearly in sport, right? It's like you either won the Super Bowl or you lost the Super Bowl. But what do you actually take away from that when you use the same analogy in business or just life in general or your marriage failures or successes in the past or whatever it is, right, your physical ailments and how you've either chosen to see it, like, you know, most notably with this whole COVID thing, and just by me saying COVID out loud, I might put a big label on this video on the the <laughs> algorithms. But but the truth on that, even too, and I know you've spoken about this lots, Danielle. And I actually had to had to wrap my head around it at some for for a long time too. Of like, is this an upgrade, or am I just sick? And how do I choose to see this, even if I can't see anything in this? physical world that tells me that there's an actual upgrade happening because I just feel it in my body that I feel tired and I feel sore and I feel sick and all of those things, right? That's what came up for me when I heard all that. I just kind of grounded back to the NFL story, but I think it brings up maybe a whole other you know, direction we can even go in this conversation. What What's your thoughts on, on all of that, Danielle? Because I know you've spoken a lot about this in the past couple of months in particular.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because someone like me who um, grounds herself in curious questions all the time... The idea when I say, oh, I feel like I failed, the way I actually interpret that for my own self is that I have gone beyond that ego belief of thinking that's what it wanted. And because the ego's natural behaviors are, if it doesn't get the result it wants, it feels like it failed. In the moment I said I felt like I had failed, I didn't fail. I was actually ascending beyond a place that was keeping me stuck before, that was more fear-based. And I had awareness that, oh, I feel like I failed, but actually what I've done is I've ascended beyond that aspect. Aspect of myself that was discomfort or was misaligned. Um, And I think what Steve said there was really important: of like, we no one can make any decision for yourself and no one's here to tell you what to do. But the fact of asking the deeper question allows one to become more clear about what one wants for oneself, right? Like, I didn't want to sit in a place of feeling like I had failed anymore. I wanted to ascend beyond that. So how can I look at that experience differently? Oh, it was a win for me, just like Tom Brady. Look at me, keep going now into a more aligned direction. But. That just really comes from building that relationship with yourself and looking at what the negative thought is or how you're feeling or how you're reacting, like Steve says, to what people are saying that they think you should do. It's all about asking yourself what you think you should do, which goes back to that question of asking deeper questions. Are we asking deeper questions? Are we willingly going into that place and asking that?
1: I want to come back to this idea of of failure. Um, I do think that there is failure we experience it every day big failures little failures um, I don't think you can lose the game of business but I think the failures along the way you know, along the journey are super valuable to me that's where the growth comes from it's the those are the things that force you to ask the deeper questions you know when I was going through um, you know a business, Cratering and you know a divorce simultaneously that forces you to sort of question what am I doing here? If if you're smart anyway, you have to. I think at that point you have to ask, okay, well I'm you know the the truth that I've been living is not aligning with the external reality, and so something's got to give, and it isn't probably going to be the external reality. You know, um, and so what is it that I'm doing that is misaligned? How am I living? How am I conducting myself? What are the beliefs that I have that are misaligned? And I think, you know, any type of failure gives you those clues um, and can, you know, to me, those have been the greatest learning experiences, you know, and I came out of that really dark period of life and within a year had found the perfect partner to spend the rest of my life with. Um, we've now been married for 11 years. Um, and I started building a business that I wanted. And has it always been easy? No, there've been a million failures further along the way. Ask my wife. Uh, <laughs> she'll tell you, <laughs> but, um,
0: unfiltered.
1: but Honestly, to exactly me, it's too. that process. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the process, though. It's I'm going to do something. I'm going to get feedback. I'm going to get either positive or negative feedback, and I think all really, we can make this really, really complex. But I don't think that it is. I, I I think there is an external reality to the universe. Danielle, you'd probably describe it as the vibrations and and getting that deeper connection with really the way the energy is flowing. And it works in a certain way. And we're not always conducting ourselves in alignment with that. And when we get out of alignment, we get feedback. You know, it happens in the business world. It happens in our relationships. It happened to me last night. I was out of alignment with where the door was, and I put my foot into it. You know? <laughs> and uh so it happens in the physical world as well, right? And you get these feedback loops that tell you you need to adjust and I think that's the time to to really examine these deeper questions and say okay, well what is it here that I'm not doing that's out of alignment and what is the adjustment I'm going to make? And sometimes it's not very clear. You know, like my my general approach to this is I'm just going to iterate a lot and hopefully fairly quickly so that sooner or later I get smarter, you know, but I'm going to hit a lot of walls and stub my toe in a lot of doors along the way. But to me, that's the purpose of those failures.
2: One of the things I think is important for those listening to this is actually what Steve just Displayed, which is failure is is a really healthy thing and we need it in life to actually advance into the way that we want. And what Steve just displayed is how his relationship is to that word. If we don't look and analyze our relationship to the word failure um, or anything distorted like that, that's where we get stuck. But Steve's been able to redefine that continuously over his own evolution of a person. And that's what's allowing him to not sit in a place of seeing them as Holding him back. And maybe you were at some point before you kind of realize that um redefinition, but that's the power in and asking questions on like how do I redefine the way I'm looking at failure, even is so powerful. And I'm glad that Steve just brought that up because I don't think enough people question what their perception is of something like that. And then they're running everything up against it looking through a distorted lens. That's what I wanted to just share there.
0: Yeah, that actually uh is a good transition to what I was going to say even too, which is when I think about all of that, i naturally just think about what's happening in my world right now, right? So like in the last couple of weeks, I've been just stepping into speaking my truth, knowing that like, I I don't know everything. This is just my truth. It's my story. It's my, it's what I want to put out into the world. It's the narrative that I want to shift and specifically around the COVID conversation and the restrictions and the mandates and all that kind of stuff. Yes, we are going to go there a little bit both of you. The, but this whole idea of like positive feedback, negative feedback, but then let me add a third one, no feedback. And what do I tell myself when there's no feedback? And I'll give you a direct example on this. So two weeks ago, I recorded an episode speaking about my truth. I actually titled it that, right? I've been lying. Here's the truth. And I spoke very passionately um, and actually hesitated from even publishing it because I was like, ooh, is, how am I going to be perceived? And then I caught myself. I was like, wait, this is literally the, the reason why I recorded this damn thing. And I'm also becoming aware of how when I communicate, my facial expressions and my hand gestures can maybe come across as aggressive or angry. So I'm conscious of it now. And I'm not changing who I am, but I'm just aware of like, how do I get my message to land more? And then I recorded one that I published this past Friday that was speaking about what I refer to as the real pandemic, which was not to say that the pandemic doesn't exist or that the virus doesn't exist. That's not it. And anybody that would label me based on that obviously hasn't heard what I actually said. But again, just me saying that out loud, well, what am I attaching to of like the positive or the negative feedback anyways, right? Anyways, I'm just in my thoughts and saying things out loud. But the, the example I was going to reference is that so I spoke very uh, passionately, but also vulnerably about my own personal experience with mental health and suicide in my family. And I shared the article in a um, private message with my entire family, my whole side of my family, where our cousin, my cousin had committed suicide like 25 years ago. And I said, hey, everybody, please give this a listen. And that was it. I sent it out. And I got feedback from my cousin's son who was the one that kind of prompted me to create that because he was like two years old when his dad, my cousin, committed suicide. And he reached out to me a few weeks ago and just basically sent me a message saying like, hey, I know we didn't get a chance to talk much when I was younger, but I just want to let you know that I appreciate every moment that I had with you and what you said to me. It landed for me. And I had this moment of like, holy shit, like I have this source, this incredible Ability to create impact and I don't even know it. And then I don't believe it because I don't get the feedback loop. But he gave it to me in that moment. So when I shared it with my family, he jumped in and he was like, Oh, amazing. You know, thanks so much. It feels so good to hear that back. And then my uncle jumped in too, and nobody else in my family has responded to it yet. And I'm telling myself, oh shit, did I just on un- did I just flip a rock over where my family now hates me for saying this out loud. Are they like, do you know where I'm going with this? It's like, I have a choice now on whether I attach to that like silence or if I just go, I spoke my truth. And that is what I ultimately am believing right now. Is like, I spoke my truth and I did it from a place of empathy and compassion and love. And that was it. There was no hate. There was no anger. However, somebody else attaches to it, that's for them to work through. That's what Came up for me. I wanted to just say that out loud.
1: I think this is where the term "the silence is deafening" comes mm. into play. You know, because when the the silence is there, we tend to fill the void, and what we fill it with is often deafening and often not positive, uh, or can be anyway. Um, it's almost like negative feedback is better because you can react to that and and become defensive and. You know and and sort of fight the fight against that energy um yeah very interesting observation i hadn't thought about that
0: yeah and it speaks to and then i'll let you jump in danielle sorry i don't want to take this over but like i think about just the term highest self because you've been saying that to me for a long time here too and i've naturally just kind of let it go boing bounce off me i'm like yeah yeah highest self whatever you know And then I'm like, no, wait a second, what would my highest self do? And when I relate it to what I see in the world here too, like just yesterday, I made a conscious choice to share something positive socially about taking my kids skating for the first time. And the fact that like, you know what we need to do more of? Hug deeper, smile more, enjoy the moments and do things that make you happy. I had every opportunity to jump on the angry train and start saying like, our prime ministers are freaking idiots. Are you know, the media is labeling all of what's ta- what we're talking about with regards to the mandates as an anti-vaccine story. They're only showing Trump flags and Confederate flags at this rally where there's a hundred thousand people, but two dudes are there with these things, and that's what the the media and you know whatever it's just the media mostly is attaching to. So naturally, I feel it. There's a part of me that's like, mm, come on, seriously, and then there's a part of me that goes. You can't defeat the the devil, the the demons, whatever, um, with hate. You can't.
1: I was going to say, there's a tremendous amount of truth in that last statement. And two things can be true at once.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: Well, you can focus on the the good, and at the same time, there can still be tremendous evil in the world. You know, so all of the the negative things that that you'd mentioned there, there may be a great deal of truth around all of that, and at the same time, you can still focus on good um it doesn't mean that the evil isn't there um it because it's ever present um it i I think it lives within each of us I mean, if you look at historically all of the the truly just absolutely evil Sadistic things that we do to one another um, and have done to one another over time. It's clear that the evil is in us, and it's in every one of us um, to one degree or another. Um, you know, but um, you know, I I think it's okay to acknowledge that that the reality that yes, we need to focus on these these really good and positive things in the moment. And at the same time, we need to be really aware that there are a lot of negative things. And not just the ones that that you alluded to. There are negative things happening in the world all the time at both the macro and the micro level. And the more that we're aware of them, those of us who choose not to go that route, the more I think we can change for that moment in, in that limited sphere. We can change the world from from bad to good, you know? A couple of thoughts came to mind there. So one is this idea of change the world. The implication is that that's some sort of a global act that you're going to commit, but none of us are powerful enough to act globally. Even the president of the United States isn't Powerful enough to act globally and make a large-scale impact. They he likes to talk that way. Every one of them has liked to talk that way. But their their true <laughs> impact on, you know, somebody in the middle of India or in the middle of China or in the middle of Africa is relatively small. You know? Um, and so this, this notion of of changing the world and having this global impact, I think, is is the wrong way to look at it. It is change the world, but how do we do that? In my world, you know, so like for me, when I think of how am I going to have an impact, how am I going to live out my purpose here? Well, first and foremost, I'm I'm waking up in the morning and um, I'm focused on my wife, you know, because I'm committed to her for the rest of my life. You know, my, my goal is I want to live to age 139, which will allow me to be married to her for 100 years. Right. And I got a long way to go. And so, to, to make that a valuable relationship in my life, I need to be waking up focused on, how am I going to make that better today? You know? And same thing with our kids. I think, to me, that's, that's where it starts.
2: I think this is interesting how we've kind of circled back around to this because I would actually go as far as saying what Steve's talking about right now about the connectiveness and and us not having impact is actually what the world is awakening to and is awakening to the power that we hold as one individual person of realizing our highest and best self and how that does actually impact every single person around us. But this is something that I think a lot of people are just waking up to is the connectiveness of each physical being on planet Earth through, through consciousness just energy is kind of what we're seeing. Um, But greater than that, we opened up with this idea of mindfulness and talking about Jordan Peterson and um, what Trevor just referenced of that place of the silence, even in how we said silence, you know, we often want to beat it down or, rep- or replace it with words. Silence is the mindful state. It is that present state. And that's why it's so uncomfortable and why so many of us don't seek it. And when we sit here in a silence place of waiting for a client to answer us back when we pitch or when we ask someone a probing question and we try to fill it in, we don't allow that person that opportunity for them to actually internalize what you just communicated or internalize what's going on because you didn't offer that space. And that space is the greatest thing we can ever offer ourselves, but it's also the most feared place of our ego mindset because the ego mindset isn't rooted in silence. And so just coming back to even the good and the bad... That's the duality of life. That's the beauty of living, having a spiritual experience in the physical body is the ego and the consciousness offers us duality, and the middle ground in that is mindfulness as a present state. And that's the thing that people are so afraid of. That's the place that people aren't going into. But even what I just said, that's the place where we're actually the most connected. That's the place we can impact the world the greatest is in our place of silence, which is also why meditation um, is so powerful and also so resistant is because it trains you and teaches you and offers you that aspect of silence. So, interesting how we kind of came back around to duality and also grounding ourselves in a silent state and a mindful state.
1: The term highest self, the implication is that that there is some goal state that that you reach with that term. And I think it's around the, the the use of the word highest as if there is a peak somewhere to me that that's depressing. That means that there's an end to growth at some point. And I know that's not the context with which you both use it, but that when I hear that and the use of that word, it's like, okay, I'm going to climb to the peak and then that's it. But then when you're at the peak, then you're just coming down the mountain from
2: there. This is a good example of how you have to reinterpret that.
1: Well, I, I look at things differently. I, I, I look at, at, at continual growth as really the, the goal rather than highest self. Because the, the, other, the other challenge, I think, with highest self is that it, it, it's sort of like navigating to the horizon. Have you ever been out on a boat and tried to get to the horizon?
2: No. What's the word you would use? I love this conversation. What's the word you would use?
1: Well, I don't know. Um, I, so to me, it's when I look at highest self, it's that there's this forward looking measuring stick that you will never get to. And that's depressing. It's defeating really, you know, because I'm never going to measure up. So for me, it's a, I guess I've always done this. I've always just sort of looked at, yeah, I have goals and I have things that I want to achieve in all aspects of my life. And there's a place where I hope that I'm growing towards, but I don't want to always look at the gap between where I am now and, and that far out goal because it's always big. I really want to look back and say, and look where I was when I was twenty, and look where I am now. You know, look where I was when I was dealing with you know a business disaster and a personal disaster simultaneously, and look where I am now. Um, to me, that it's that. That constantly looking backwards and measuring backwards and looking at progress that creates the capacity to continue, right? Otherwise, this would just be depressing. If all I ever did was look out there and say, there's this highest self that I want to be, and yet I never am feeling like I'm getting there. Because if you, I think if you're doing it right, there's always an increasing level, right? So, to me, it's just, it's easier to be happy, you know, if we look at happiness as, like, a worthwhile measure. I'm not sure that it's a worthwhile measure, but if we look at that as a measure, it's far easier to be happy when I'm looking at the progress that I've made. And, uh, I don't know, that's the thing that came to mind when, with that word.
2: What does the word evolved self mean to you? I'm seeking alignment with my evolved self, with my, I'm just trying to find a different word to see how, what could land just so people can see outside of highest.
1: It still, to me, feels like a destination I'm trying to reach rather than a process I'm trying to live.
2: Interesting. I think this is a place all of us find ourselves in. Wait, that's it. It's like, well, I believe this and what I believe feels distorted or harder and i don't want that and what i'm seeking is this other thing how do i define that other thing for myself right all of us find us in ourselves in this place all the time right you're seeking a process so what version of you is doing that
0: i'm glad that you're saying what you're saying out loud because i think we're we're all giving each other aside from the little blips of the internets and stuff, but we're giving each other the space to just say what's real for us, you know? And I know, like, I'm resonating with everything that you say, Steve, with regards to, like, you know, I kind of want to know that I have a place to aspire to and that there's a goal that I can achieve, but then there's more after that, and not this, like, endless existence of evolution. I've That's literally what I've been thinking about, and so it actually brings up a lot for me because... These kind of conversations, Danielle and I have had a lot of them with different people in the last few weeks where, to give you an example, you know, somebody would say, so I got this idea about, um, you know, creating better wastewater management in third world countries, because ultimately that's at the roots of these some of these challenges in the world, that and clean water, and well, you probably wouldn't be interested in it. Me and Danielle are like dude, send me that documentary. I want to, I want to watch that thing. Like, these are the things I'm actually curious about because it just gets me to think outside of like what I believe is even possible. And then when I shift that, that to me, I see as part of the evolution, but the other side of it too, is just wrapping this all around the idea of death, death, like physical death and grief. And, and that's where I was going with my publishing of the podcast about mental health and suicide and like having to reframe this whole idea of death. And then naturally I'm like, well, I don't have the answer to this. I don't know what the hell happens. I'm still here. I haven't died yet. So I just start listening and searching for different, you know, just feedback loops on like, what does it mean to die? And one of the things that landed for me recently was this Dr. Zach Bush speaking about death being the ultimate upgrade. And in fact, I just clipped out a little piece of that from my last podcast that I think I published it. Yeah, I published it today actually. And that to me just got me to think full circle loop, like going back even to this COVID conversation, my cousin is an EMT. So he drives an ambulance where for the last two years, he's been taking um, seniors in old age homes to the ICU. So he has a perspective and a view of the world that is filled full of death. Like it's literally what his life is every single day. He sees death every single day. And I've seen some of his opinions about like just what we're dealing with in the world right now around restrictions and health and all that kind of stuff and science, trust the science and everything in between. And I found myself getting triggered by it. I was like, oh, dude, like I get it. I support the doctors and the nurses too, but like, can't you see? And then I had to step back and go, wait a second, what is the underlying root here of the fear that's coming out of him? And then I thought, oh, is he scared of death? Does he look at death as a negative thing? What if I was to go down this rabbit hole of discovering, like, does death mean, like, death, death? Like, do we just become blackness and, and you know, disappear into the dirt? Or is there something more? And then that, just kind of rooting it back to what you were saying, that's what ultimately gives gets me excited to think about the idea of eternal existence and evolution and not feel the angst of, like, but I just want something to aspire to that I can achieve, It's more like, no, I'm okay with whatever there is on the other side of this. Even if I don't know the answer, I'm just going to curiously seek it out and be okay with not knowing. Does that make sense? I know I was kind of rambling on about that, but...
1: Makes tremendous sense. Um, I I think the root of so much of the fear that has gripped the world over the last couple of years stems from a... I think of a lack of peace with death, and I think for an awful lot of people, particularly in the west uh where we have created a great deal of separation between ourselves and and the reality of death i mean it used to be that. You know, when a family member died, you were probably part of the group of people that dug the hole to bury them in, quite literally. You know, and we've really separated ourselves from those experiences. Um, And, you know, at the same time, you've seen um, a, a walk away from religions of all kinds, which tend to have a lot to say about what happens when we die. Um, and none of us knows. You know, I have my beliefs. You know, I have faith, which is basically just believing without knowing. And I don't know. I won't be able to come back and tell you what happens. I hope I hope it won't be for a long time anyway. But um, what I can tell you is this, that the faith and belief in the things that I believe in give me an awful lot of peace about it and i also understand that there aren't any guarantees like this whole idea that okay we're facing this pandemic and and that it's somehow a new risk is yes it's got a new name but we've all been at risk of dying from the day we were born and there has never like i joke sometimes you know we're not guaranteed tomorrow but that isn't actually the accurate statement the accurate statement is we're not guaranteed five minutes from now like we could hang up from this call and one of us have a heart attack and that's that and the world will continue to exist without us and so you know i think to approach this from a the perspective of of Complete and utter fear is a really sad place to be. To me, to me, that's how that's how the evil wins. I mean, to me, that is the evil. It's fear, right? Um, and ultimately, it's fear of death. If you get to a place where you're at peace with your life or your death, do I want to die? No, you know, I have. I'd love to live, you know. To 139. I'm very sincere about that. Do I think that I will? I have no idea. You know? There's some medical miracles out there. It could happen. But if I do or if I don't, it doesn't matter. Because all you can do is live now. And I know that's so such a trite thing. I'm not that good at it, honestly. Um, But that is the reality. And I try and continually align myself with that reality. I hope I'm getting better at it over time. But anyway... We could probably go go down that rabbit hole for days.
2: <laughs> I have spent quite a bit of time exploring this concept of death. I used to be really afraid of it, and that's part of the reason why I ended up in um really seeking understanding of Buddhist wisdom because of the death aspect and something that Steve just said is I think really accurate, especially out in the West. We're separated from what is the full perspective of death and what is the peace in that and they're just like anything, there's duality. And like the Bible, there's one aspect, but then there's another aspect and both aspects make it a little bit more whole and a little bit more complete. And seeking those answers is is like what Steve's saying is where the separation came from. But from a higher perspective, which is again, not higher self, just a, a greater expanded perspective, the amount of fear that we experienced during this pandemic was parallel to the amount of unity and love that we're seeking now and we're seeing a shift from fear into more love which is the opposite of fear it's love but in order for love to come to fruition and be more of our predominant reality we have to go through fear and so from a higher perspective looking at the experience we're in i do believe that earth has shifted into more of a higher conscious state of love and it could only have happened with a dualistic experience which is one rooted in fear and this is the experience that we're in and so from that higher perspective There is more love being found. There is more people seeking this understanding of what death is and what is beyond death. And I don't think we've ever experienced this before in our lifetime as physical beings reincarnated on earth or whatever you believe to be true, really. And um, that kind of just goes hand in hand to what people are seeking greater of, that mindful state, that present state, that love state, seeking a higher meaning, seeking higher wisdom, seeking no more separation. And um, if we see it for that, we start to act our lives differently because we're not so much in that it's been so fear-based and negative, but look at the world unite and ascend.
0: Amazing. All right. Well, let's wrap on that. And let me say that uh, this conversation went exactly where I hoped it would and had no idea where it would go, but it was everything that I thought it would be. And it was a deeper question, deeper questioning of like the why, you know, like if we just keep going deeper on like, why, 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 why do you want to live to 139? Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to be right to all of these things? Then I think we're asking the right questions. So on that note, just want to acknowledge both of you for having the conversation. We'll do this again too, because I thought this was amazing. And, you know, if I could sign us off, I'll say in the famous words of Steve Gordon, not only Steve Gordon, but also Wayne and Garth from Wayne's World. Live in the now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Trevor Turnbull Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please consider subscribing on my YouTube channel and on your favorite podcast platform and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you. Now, until next time, remember, today is a beautiful day of opportunity. Trust that you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. So be grateful, be curious, and be brave.